Dotnet Rocks episode 843 with guest Demis Bellot. Recorded live Thursday, January 17th, 2013. This episode is brought to you by Telerik and by Franklins.net, training developers to work smarter. And now offering Gesture Pack, a powerful gesture recording and recognition system for Microsoft Connect for Windows developers. Details at gesturepak.com. And now here are Carl and Richard. Thank you very much. Welcome back. It's Carl. It's Richard. And uh, we're here again. Hey, man. Howdy, buddy. How are you? I'm good. You know, reflecting back on CodeMash. Oh, yeah. CodeMash was a blast this year. And uh, 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 some weird things happened. You know, we did the 64-bit question, the, the swag giveaway, which went on for a long time, but we had a lot of fun with it. Afterwards, when we were all done, somebody comes up to me and didn't introduce himself and ha- says, listen to you guys all the time, love your show, here's a gift for you. And you know what it was? What was it? A box of Chips Ahoy cookies. <laughs> and then he just walked away and before i could say who hey, are wait. you you know <laughs> uh he just sort of walked away just like felt like giving uh giving us some chips away cookies so i brought him home and gave him to my stepdaughter nikisha who really loved them and uh asked me if i would give her a shout out on the show for there you go. receiving the cookies so thank you to whoever you are mystery guy who handed me the chips ahoy i'd like to hear from you by email so i could thank you in person Hey, Richard. Yes. Sir. Better know a framework. Awesome. Because you better. Better know something. Although it's been, it's been, it's not been a lot of framework. You've been going all over the place. Yeah. I, I like to point things out uh, sure. on the web and it's no big deal. You know, nope. it started, it started out actually is just a way to shine a little light on a corner of the .NET framework. Uh, not for training purposes, but just, you know, over time, these things add up. So anyway, I want to revisit a project that we started talking about way back in .NET 1.0. Wow. Paint.net. Really? Have you seen Paint.net recently? No, not recently. So what this is, is it started as a college project, I think, where somebody just wanted to do a, a sort of a paint shop style app, but, you know, using managed code. And it turned into this beautiful, fr- still free, uh, amazing tool. So uh, it's free. It's all .NET. It's all managed code. And you can get it at getpaint.net. Nice. So good that uh, Lifehacker said paint.net is just about perfect. PC World says it's impressive in the top 100 products of 07. Okay. Lifehacker was... T- uh, June 2010, and Jeff Atwood says it raises the quality bar. So this is good stuff. Yeah, no kidding. It's and it's a classic. Like we, it's one of those things that's so classic you sometimes forget about it. Yeah, we f- sometimes forget exactly. So um, so check it out if you don't want to, you know, spend a lot of cash on a really high quality paint program. There you go. Paint.net. Nice. Getpaint.net. Who's talking to us, Richard? I grabbed a comment off of show 783, so back a little bit. That was the show we did with Hattie Hariri when he was talking about real-world MVC. Oh, yeah. Which is a great show. You know, he's so practical and just talked through a bunch of different things, including working with the Web API and so forth. And this comment comes from Wilby Jackson, who says, I was really happy to hear Hattie make the argument that you can do what Web API does in MVC. When I first looked at Web API, the first thing that went through my head was, 
Why do I need this? Yeah, exactly. I can do this in MVC. Web API is just another wrapper or almost like a convention layer on top of the MVC framework. Mm -hmm. I realize that there are a few perks to using Web API, but for me, they don't outweigh changing, yet again, the way I set up my projects and the patterns that I use. Not to mention Hattie's argument for keeping the HTTP API intact. Mm. I also thought it was interesting that he doesn't use an ORM as they were intended. I have found ORMs to be somewhat limiting and restrictive at times, or even too complicated. I often find myself thinking, I know I can do this with a fairly simple query, so why is it so hard with this ORM? Yeah. I liked his idea of using the ORM to pass a query and then have it map the query to a model for you. I have done this with existing store procedures, but I think it would be a good tool to use whenever I'm struggling to bend the ORM to my will. (laughs) And that's from Welby Jackson. Yeah. Hey, Welby. Yeah, no argument here, man. I totally agree. And we're going to talk more in this subject area, more or less, uh, with Demis in just a minute. So a .NET Rocks mug is on its way to you. Thank you so much for your comment. And if you'd like a .NET Rocks mug, just write a comment on the website at .NETrocks.com. And before we go any further, I need to tell you that Pluralsight provides comprehensive developer training online. They have over 450 hardcore developer training courses authored by MVPs and industry experts. They release 12 to 15 new courses every month and have a free 10-day trial giving you 200 minutes of access with a wide range of developer training courses, including coverage of iOS, Java, Android, web development, pretty much anything and everything on the Microsoft stack, including a great course on Service Stack. Nice. Try Pluralsight today. Subscription plans start at just $29 a month. And with that, let us introduce our guest today. Demis Bellet is a developer at Stack Exchange, where he maintains Stack Overflow Careers 2.0 back office web and MQ services built on, you guessed it, Service Stack. Nice. He is the creator and project lead of Service Stack. Welcome, Demis. Hey, guys. How you Doing just great. So... Sort of like the question that was on the mind of the person who sent in uh, a message today, uh, left us a comment. Why do we need this? What problem does Service Stack solve? First of all, what is it? And then uh, what problems does it solve? Okay. uh, Well, it's a collection of utilities, a collection of libraries, um, but the predominant framework is a web services framework. Uh, Effectively, it's like, um, uh, I don't know, WCF done right yeah. <laughs> or how, I, how I'd do it. Um, but basically, I just want to encourage uh, best practices web services, um, but not, not heavy tooling, just no code gen, uh, real high performance stack, real lightweight, no abstractions, just a real productive pipeline to create uh, any type of service. So um, contrast and, this. And then uh, it's, a focus of, it's a focus on uh, simplicity and performance. Yeah. And... Um, yeah, yeah. yeah, so that's, yeah. when I think of WCF, simplicity isn't the first word that comes to mind, so much configuration, then, and I think that's where people get lost, is in the configuration. What uh, what do you do differently in Service Stack? Um, well, because we uh, we encourage a message-based design, you, you don't actually need all the uh, machinery and boilerplate and configuration that WCF uh, has. And WCF uh, is predominantly about uh, supporting the WS star death stack mm. and um, and that that's extremely complex and I think over time we've realized that uh, that's actually worse for creating services with than simpler restful JSON like formats right um, yeah do you, f- you ever find that there are situations I mean one of the reasons that all that WS star stuff came out was to support standards for 
you know, sort of interop, interop between, you know, disparate systems. And that was the big thing about .NET, right? And, and SOAP. So do you find that everybody pretty much can do REST? And so therefore we don't need all that goo? Uh, no, not at all. So there's different, um, so a service itself is basically just to um, expose a remote capability. That's that's the idea of a service. Mm-hmm. And um, and there's, diff- there's different formats and uh, that you want to use to optimize for your different clients. So uh, in a lot of cases, if you've got heterogeneous environments, then yeah, RESTful JSON uh, is probably the easiest uh, way to expose that. But also, if you just have a client uh, client server library and you maintain both ends, the native SDK is is probably the best, most productive uh, endpoint uh, for you. And so we basically try to support both um, as idiomatic as possible in C Sharp. Um, so we, we, in terms of SOAP, SOAP's like a complex schema, and and the whole point of having an abstract message container, having SOAP, having a real complex schema, is actually worse for accessibility because all, all every single implementation has to has to do a lot of effort just to implement the same things. And having worked with Java and .NET um, SOAP frameworks, that's actually, it actually becomes less accessible and you'll actually have a lot of corner cases where you run into pro- with implementation problems, even though it's all standardized. So it's right. actually, yeah, it's less accessible than a normal JSON service and it's more complex to implement, more abstraction, less harder to read, reason about. It's slow and brittle. It's actually, yeah. uh, I've, I've got a, a big article on InfoQ basically saying, the different problems with SOAP and how um, how it, simpler formats like JSON prot- protocol buffers um, is actually a lot easier, faster, a better programmatic fit, and uh, overall a, a better tool to use. For so, are there simple alternatives to the WSR standards, you know, for security and things like that that exist so, outside of the protocol now? Uh, so, there isn't um, a, a st- standards. But what, what people are doing is just doing what they need, and that's yeah. better than actually having this complex scheme that you have to bind to. Hmm. It basically, if you do what you, if you, so that's like a get things done philosophy, and everyone, and that seems to be the most programmatic approach. Yeah. Rather than having it to do it one way, which is what the WSTR committee has defined, you just basically do what needs to be done. And, um, so, and then you can, it makes it much easier end to end. And I think that's the, uh, that's that's basically the approach that we have. Just uh, sort of a roll your own pragmatic way. Is that what you mean? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Basically, uh, do what you need. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's there's definitely conventions and like HTTP has a lot of status codes in there that you can, um, uh, you, you know, you can support. Um, but if if you need anything more than that, then I always recommend just uh, going with the most bespoke solution that that fulfills your use case. It's always simpler and easier to reason about. So, um, would you say that uh, WCF tends to be a little chatty compared to Service Stack? Well, yeah, for for many reasons. Um, SOAP is just a very bloated format, and it uses XML XSDs uh, uh, to define the environment. Um, and it, with all the namespaces, it actually gets quite bloated. Um, and so, with Service Stack, you just have to create a single service, and then you have multiple formats. So by default, JSON is quite compact. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also support uh, protocol buffers and message pack, which is very fast, compact binary formats. And I've also created my own um, text, uh, it's .NET's fastest text serializer, which is called JSV, which mm-hmm. is a combination of um, 
JSON-like format uh, with CSC style scaping, so it doesn't have quotes or spaces. Um, and yeah, and these are each one of these are more compact and and faster than SOAP. Yeah, you know, I also tend to think sort of the the culture of .NET and the culture of Java are two totally different things. That when they try to actually pass messages to each other, you have these sort of surreal conversations, uh, you know, with the developers that, you know, we're hanging a data set on the, on the .NET side and the Java programmers are like, what is that, you know? Uh, been down that road. Yeah, so um, that, that's, that's actually, yeah, a real problem. Um, and, and, it's, they, and I think it's, it's, it's basically being solved. And in the Java land, they're actually, because uh, uh, I used to be a Java developer for a couple of years, um, they're pretty strong on actually embracing Martin Fowler's patterns, and this is effectively what um, ServStack basically embraced around. Yeah. And, that's, and by using message-based design, uh, using data transfer objects to uh, pa- pass messages between and generate the wire format, uh, having a gateway, which is a uh, service interface and gateway patterns, uh, makes it a well-defined boundary. It's actually a lot easier to communicate with uh, external services because you have this. Because uh, the only thing you're passing around is types. And not the uh, remote, not the uh, server-side remote procedure called signatures, which right. um, vary from platform to platform. Sure. It's actually a lot easier to reason about if you just pass messages. Um, where does uh, Google's protocol buffers fit into this thing? Uh, so Google create a, uh, a, a optimal wire format that they use for all their internal uh, messaging, and basically their attempt at an IDL is um, their protocol buffers. And basically, it's just a... They, they have a simple DSL to define the message, and then they basically have tools to generate their Java, Python, and C++ binding for it. And, yeah, and it's it's a very simple format. It's, it's, um, it's yeah, binary-based, simple format. Hmm. And, yeah, and they have hmm. a simple uh, text-based, message-based... Uh, it's called a dot .protofile to create the uh, schema, for instance, yeah. and they pass those messages in between uh, their, their endpoints. And for um, .NET, Mark Gravel, from, also from Stack Overflow, he, uh, he's created an extremely fast uh, implementation of that, and that's what we use for Service Stack. Um, and it's, yeah, it's, it's yeah. very efficient. It's the fastest serializer in .NET today. What, uh, what platforms is it existing on Service Stack? Uh, uh, sorry, what was that? Is, it, is, it, is Service Stack a multi-platform stack, or is it a, a .NET mono Okay, it's a .NET server-side framework, um, and because it, it exposes, it actually supposes uh, the same service, mm-hmm. it also exposes SOAP and RESTful bindings, mm-hmm. and you can consume that in any in any client. We've got built-in client service, like we've got a typed end-to-end API with C-sharp clients, nice. and, and so you don't actually need to do any uh, you can basically reuse the same DTOs that you designed your services with on the client. We promote uh, using uh, DTOs to create a well-defined service boundaries in a, in a uh, dependency-free DLL, and then you can share that DLL on the client, and that gives you a typed, to, a typed end-to-end API without any cogen, hmm. and that re- removes a lot of the um, the machinery that you need to do today with the, the whole with that generator whistle, um, add a set reference, and import the 
and brought that project into your library. And, and, so and you've junked a bunch of configuration and just turned it into a DLL that runs wherever you need it. Correct. Yeah. That, <laughs> I love that. That's, that's, that's very one way clever. To do it. And yeah, and that's 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 what we promote for C sharp clients. We've also got JavaScript, JSON, and um, uh, as and because you can use you can basically if you use REST, you can basically basically use jQuery uh, to just consume it. Because the, the beauty of uh, JSON is that it's a programmatic fit to uh, to JavaScript. So you can actually deserialize in one in a single line of code, mm. and that's why that's what that's part of the reason why it's uh, so popular. Mm. Well, I mean, at this point, I feel like there's so many choices on how to do this is almost intimidating. Mm. What's the sort of lightweight, simple approach to getting into ServiceStack? What does a basic project look like? It, it really is um, because we there's a big uh, we have a Christmas tree architecture design on the on the. Uh, Stack page, but basically all you're doing for a Stack service is you don't have to worry about any of the formats. This is part of the reason why it's um, configuration free because we we auto wire all the formats for you. Right. And so all you need to do is create a, a service that accepts any C sharp uh, DTO, which is like a which is like a plain Poco with um, which is like a plain old C sharp object, mm-hmm. and then you return any DTO. And just by doing that, and you have complete freedom uh, how you create, how you hydrate the DTO, and how you, how you return the response, how you execute it, what dependencies your service has, you've got complete freedom uh, in how to handle the service. And then basically, Service Stack provides all the bindings for you, so all the different formats without any configuration. So that's, that's part of the reason why people find it uh, so easy to work with. Yeah, but just a lot of choices there. Whatever you want to use is going to work. But it, it seems to me this thing just screams for ASP.NET MVC that it... You start there. You add Service Stack on the back end, and you're off. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So it's 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 predominantly for services, but we also actually support our own um, Razor, and we've I've created my own Markdown Razor format. Right. And basically, it's it's the entire web stack as well. If you'd like, if you wanted to, um, MVC is still a better choice for server side development. But if you just wanted um, some light client side, uh, don't know. Uh, some light server-side rendering, then we also support um, Razor views. So that, that's actually another, to generate your HTML format because HTML is just another content type. Sure. So, yeah, you can use Razor, and so so yeah, it's in it, it, yeah. Service Stack can be if you add the Razor tool, format works like MVC and Web API, but just like Web API, you can use it with MVC. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, so it's a. Uh, it's well, and that's a pattern we've seen a fair bit, MVC with Web API. This almost seems yep. like a replacement for Web API. Yeah, correct. It's uh, big, and, and WCF in a way, because mm-hmm. Web API will only do HTTP um, APIs, whereas the service stack also does message queues, and eventually and we're working on TCP bindings as well. Hmm. Um, that's because, because of the messaging-based approach we, can, uh, we have, which is a C-sharp object, we can actually... Um, host that on multiple endpoints, and that's the, essentially the goal of Service Stack, which is basically you create your service once, and we basically we will host it on multiple endpoints and formats, and we'll we'll basically we're always striving for the most uh, the fastest endpoints. You mentioned in the elevator pitch that the, there's no abstractions. Um, why are abstractions such a problem? So abstractions, like I was saying before, it only uh, works when the abstraction is perfect. So you don't have to actually worry about the things on the, at the bottom. So you, you have building blocks, but when but that seems to that's only the case in very few situations. Mm. Most of the time you're uh, having to have these building blocks, but then you have to know about 
every single thing that it's extracted, just to know what if 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 you fall outside the beaten path, you'll have to and in order to understand the and uh, diagnose any interoperability issues, you'll need to understand what's actually happening under all those abstractions. It's the classic problem of uh, having something that's too high level running into a brick wall, where if it's uh, too you know granular, then it uh, the complexity is uh, a problem. Right, and I, and I think it's, it's basically it's a culture in .NET, and it's why I've having to written so many libraries because I really uh, think it's it, it just basically it requires a lot of learning how to learn a single framework rather than the, the domain you're programming against. Sure, and and yeah, and it's actually it's slower. It's it's harder to reason about your code. It's um, and it's basically harder if you want to do something else with it. Uh, it's less flexible, and mm-hmm. so um, I think in a lot of so I, I do like. Uh, the, the .NET uh, framework and C-sharp languages, I think they're very awesome. Um, but I, I'm not liking the actual the culture behind these heavy abstraction uh, server-side frameworks, dying for types, and I, I basically prefer um, the, per, you know, the, the, the get-stuff-done programmatic approach to, uh, taken by dynamic right. language frameworks. Right. Basically, it's a, you, you, you create a real lightweight um, ORM over, over the tables, and and that's how you could communicate with, with like any domain, including a database. And um, uh, yeah, and it just it just so you don't actually have to know about. For instance, if you're using the the link to SQL projection and the, the quirks inside that, um, how how it how it saves the state before you submit the changes and and how the transactions work. You can if you program against the uh, the ADA and data interfaces, you you know exactly what's going on. Mm and what you're going to get. This portion of .NET Rocks is brought to you by our good friends at Telerik, who want me to tell you all about their support for Windows Azure. Telerik was one of the first vendors to provide support for Windows Azure back in early 2009, when the cloud platform was first released as Cloud Trust Protocol. They now offer everything needed to help .NET developers build quality web, desktop, and Windows Phone apps for the cloud quickly and easily out of the box. Check out Telerik.com slash Azure and take the shortcut to Windows Azure development. And don't forget to thank them for supporting .NET Rocks. And uh, you're using an HTTP handler to intercept ASP.NET? Is that how it works? Right. So, yes. Yeah. So, ServiceDeck actually has HP listener hosts as well as ASP.NET hosts. Hmm. And with ASP.NET, we use the ro- uh, low raw ASP.NET IHP handlers to handle it. Um, yeah, so it's just basically it's a single. It ends up being a single line configuration in your web config. Um, if you're in, uh, depending on if you're using ii6 or ii7, right? Yeah, it looks pretty simple. I got to tell you. Yeah, it's a single. It's essentially a single line of config, and you can basically uh, with a when you create the host, it's just a single. Uh, you just inherit from a base class, hmm. and inside that you can define all your dependencies that your services need. Um, and by default, you don't have to have any. And then you just create services on the on the fly, and all the services that you create that implement an I service interface just gets auto wired for you. And so yeah, that's why it's, there's no configuration needed other than um, the so like. I can see that there's a a big improvement over um, WCF, but uh, what's the what's the biggest improvement over Web API? Um, so we support multiple endpoints and formats. Uh, we we have the um, I've, I've had a fair few benchmarks actually, where actually mm-hmm. uh, do quite well on that. Um, 
I'll have to go and create some some serious ones for that. Um, so, but we, you're claiming it's faster. Uh, uh, everything I've seen, I, I haven't actually made any myself, but I'm, I'm still in, uh, in development mode. But there's been a few people that have tweeted the different benchmarks that they've, that they've done and they've shown. Although uh, stack's always faster. Um, we support SOAP and MQ hosts and all, all these different formats by design. We have uh, we generate whistles and XSD types. You can get that for every service you create. Um, uh, yeah, we have zero configuration. We run everywhere. We run in mono as well. Mm. Um, that's, that's, that's essentially how we deploy. We develop in Visual Studio and basically copy the binaries over to mono and, and we can just run off that mm. in, in, in ASP.NET or self-hosts. Um, yeah, and we basically promote a message-based design and we have an end-to-end type API. So you don't actually need to, um, with your HP clients, you don't actually need to do any string munging or any uh, anything else. You can basically reuse the same types on the server and the client and we all have the most the, far, the most succinct end-to-end API, uh, type API. Yeah. It also happens to be very fast and simple to use. Mm. And, and we, have, we support multiple um, different... For every format that we have, like uh, message pack for protocol buffers, JSON, XML, JSV, they, have a, they each have a type uh, C-sharp client, so you can use each of those. And they're all, they all implement the same interface, so they're easily substitutable. So you can develop, for instance, using like JSON, and then if you need extreme performance, you can switch over to uh, protocol buffers without changing application code. And you said that your own, your own JSON serializer is more than three times faster than anything else out there? Uh, yeah, when, definitely. Uh, when I when I created the reason why I created it was because um, we well I, I I liked Jason, but unfortunately yeah. at the time, as uh, a fair few years ago, it um it was slower. The Jason in .NET was actually slower than the XML, and yeah. that was um, which is I, crazy. Yeah, I, which is insane because it, it's not yeah it's not a trans, it's not a trade off I was wi- uh, willing to accept, mm-hmm. and because it's such a simplest format, it should be a lot quicker. And so I, I had a, a good effort at at um, at creating that, uh, creating a, a fast serializer. The first attempt was a JSV, which is my my JSON CSV style escaping, and um, and that was that's even faster than JSON. Um, and because the world uses JSON, I ended up just having reusing the same core and uh, having like uh, supporting JSON as well. Hmm. And yeah, and it just happened to be at the time three times faster than everything else when when it was when it was uh, created, and um, and yeah, there's been a few benchmarks since then. I'll need to. I've got a I've got a Northwind uh, dataset that I've been using to measure to measure them. But yeah, it's it's uh, basically does runs uh, over all the different tables in in Northwind database, and to and then graph the results. But and you're saying that the protocol buffers approach is still faster again. Yes, it's yeah, it's more than two times faster than um, any text serializer in .NET. And like That's uh, because it's, yeah, I'm looking at a sample app here, and it looks like Web API with your get, post, put, and delete methods, uh, con- convention based. The uh, that's mm-hmm. uh, that's very cool. It's very cool that you know it doesn't require a big learning curve if you've already done yeah. Web API. Right, yeah. yeah, and we've been around for years. Um, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. No, it's always it, it, the yeah. I, the idea is um, you want to reduce all the artificial complexity needed to create a service and just provide it as much as you can by yeah. default. 
by basically uh, forcing everyone to use a massive base design, we're able to infer a lot of greater intelligence about services, and that's why we're able to do a lot, so much for you. You say you've been around um, for years. Yeah. How, how old is Stack uh, Service Stack? Uh, so, yeah, I, I started, uh, cr- I created it uh, about over four years ago. Oh, wow. Yeah. So you do predate Web API, then? Yeah, I didn't yeah, realize that. Yeah, by many, yeah. Yeah, yeah, we've been around for a while. It's just really hard for open source projects to get known. No. Um, we've had the JSON serializer for eight for years as well. So. Wow. Hey, Richard. Yes, sir. Guess what time it is. Oh, it must be that happy time again. That's right. It's time to give away a Telerik uh, DevCraft Complete Collection to a lucky member of the .NET Rocks fan club. Today's winner is Mark Mendoza. Ah, congratulations, Mark. Golf clap for you. Golf clap for Mark Mendoza. Well done. And Mark wins a DevCraft Complete Collection from Telerik. That is everything Telerik does in one box. A huge value, about $2,000 worth. And we have uh, lots of happy winners and thousands of members of the fan club. If you don't know what we're talking about, go to .netrocks.com, click on the big Get Free Stuff button, and you too could win uh, something on every show. Every Mm -hmm. year in December, we give away $5,000 worth of stuff, toys, whether it's a computer or a laptop or a tablet or a bunch of tablets or phones or whatever. We, We handpick some technology and give it away. And we like to ask our guests, if you had $5,000, Demis, to spend on toys, technology, what would you get? Um, I, I would get all the JetBrains tools, but with their uh, uh, end-of-day end sale, I ended up buying most of them for like a few hundred dollars, so that's pretty good. <laughs> wow. um, yeah, that gives you a lot to leave. Um, yeah, basically, Team City, anything they produce has been really awesome. You're in um, the tools. Yeah, that, in the tools. And then I always like a pretty hardware, so that's why I've always been um, buying Macs. Yeah. Oh, the machine we put so, together for Rob Corbett, the, the winner in the in uh, last year, uh, very shiny, big black case with pulsing lights. It's nice. You're putting it together, aren't you, Richard? Uh, I'm having someone build it for me so that they will warranty it, because as much as I like building computers, maintaining them is not my favorite pastime. Yeah, so we're going to have to take pictures of that. For sure. And, uh, yeah, I uh, used to love building my own computers when I had all this free time, but that's that's ever since I left uni that, that the free time seemed to have eroded. Yeah. yeah, funny how that works out, isn't it? I'm with you. Yeah. Yeah, I got a machine down right now, and I'm like, I just can't allocate the time to repair it. I probably know what's wrong with it, but it takes a while. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, yeah, you'd rather, you, you have better things to do, I guess. Yeah, more, more things anymore. screaming at you, pounding away on do this, do this, do this. Hey, let's talk a little bit about uh, single-page applications. Is that Service Stack's Ballywick? Uh, it's something we we like to promote, and and um, I'm generally all about um, uh, finding and promoting the best user experience technologies. Mm-hmm. And single-page apps has been has basically all the enjoyable apps I use every day has been is always a single-page app, whether it's Gmail or Google Docs or or even the Twitter APIs. Um, yeah, so it, basically because it's a heavy service component and we also generate, like, um, uh, we also provide, like, dynamic razor views whenever you need them. It, we, we, uh, it makes it, like, uh, pretty simple just to create single-page apps with it. Um, and we're kind of optimized for that. So there's stuff like uh, push state and stuff like that, which it can be hard to configure if you use MVC. Because sure. Because you have to kind of catch all the... The 404 handlers. We'd like to build that stuff um, into service decks and make it easy to um, to handle those 
routes. Well, I got to think there's some other, you know, stuff like Backbone and Angular that would probably help out there too. Yeah, that's what that's so that's what I mean. Like, uh, to, in order to do the push that you, you you if you if the browser supports it, it mm. it's it gets handled by the client using one of the um one of the popular language frameworks. So yeah, Backbone and AngularJS is my my preferred ones at the moment. Um, I also am yeah, interested in in Dart. Dart's a new initiative by Google. And I got a tweet from Eddie Groves who says I'm supposed to ask you about Dart. Ah, good timing. Okay. Uh, yeah, Dart's an exciting platform. Um, I believe Google's throwing their whole force behind it um, to create a compelling uh, web development experience. Um, basically, all the, the the top brass from the V8 team is now working on Dart to make a really fast, uh, basically JavaScript-like language. In in the future, it's it looks like you only will only have um, Dart or JavaScript VMs in a browser um, for the very near future, since no one else is. Uh, That's a pretty that. bold statement. And you know, Dart's there's a lot of different people tinkering with the ways to do the language. Would you saying Dart specifically for server side? No, yeah, you can. Dart's also a full stack, so they actually have. Um, I'm a, I've actually created a an express like a real lightweight express like. Uh, express is a, uh, is a popular JavaScript frame, uh, server side framework. Express like th- uh, uh, framework for for Dart. Mm-hmm. Um, it, yeah, you can do full stack programming. I, I actually got a Redis to dos uh, Redis to dos project using um, uh, basically just Backbone uh, and and Dart on the server, and basically which so yeah, it's for the full stack programming. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's it's uh, it's definitely an exciting initiative because Google's doing the whole batteries approach, like kind of like they, what they did with GWT, mm-hmm. but because it's because it can actually run in the browser, Dart transpiles to JavaScript. Um, you can you can debug JavaScript use because they've got source maps support already, or you can actually if you're running it in, in uh, a Chrome build called Dartium, which actually has, is the developer build of, of Chrome, it actually has a Dart VM support inside it. So you're actually literally running real Dart code, and what like one of the benefits of of, of Dart is like that because they control their own VM, you've got um, uh, it, it supports uh, like technologies like snapshotting, which um, shows it's, it runs about ten times quicker than JavaScript because it's able to basically save the snapshot before you run the before you run the the, the code and and continue there from subsequent reloads. Um, so yeah, it, it's they're looking at a a an optionally it's a well structured optionally typed language for developing full stack programming with, and it includes the IDE server side client side debugging um, all the libraries. Um, and all the tooling, and even JetBrains make a WebStorm plugin for that. So it's 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 definitely got legs, and yeah, I, def- it's a, I actually enjoy it. Um, it actually it's reminiscent of C Sharp, but without all the the visibility and type. So um, so I've already ported like Redis clients to it, and it's actually much easier to develop than than even C Sharp because you don't have to worry about um, different binary t- uh, different integer types. They have a single int type, and that and because it has variable sizes, you don't actually have to provide APIs for the different um, yeah, but you're saying types type. in conjunction with JavaScript, so I'm already getting chills. <laughs> yeah, it's it's optionally typed, so you like the actual types is only for developer annotations. I, right. I actually think it's the the most productive way to um, have it. Um, so you don't actually need any types at all. You can just basically use var everywhere, and it's and at runtime it's the same thing. Right. The, the types are there just for developer developer documentation. So you know in jQuery you just have like these three arguments. You don't actually know what they are. In Dart, you can still have the three arguments, or you can uh, choose to optionally add the types there, and that's really just for um, ID uh, tooling. Right. 
So it's actually and, and it's actually been pretty good. So it's a it's a real productive world because you don't need to, because you'll you'll catch the if you're used to Sharper, you'll 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 get the feed the instant feedback of when when like you're not using a variable or or a method doesn't exist as well. But you don't need you can actually use dynamically type like like you would with JSON. So you can hit the ground running like that, mm. and it, it supports first class uh, a, a rich class model. Mix, you know, uh, mixins. It's got its uh, concurrency with, with with which similar to Go's channels and scalars actors called uh, isolates. Interesting. And that's how, that's how, so it's single threaded, but that's how they're going to uh, do. That's how they're going to do multi core programming. Well, then therein lies the question: Is all this dancing around? Can we do multi core programming in JavaScript in a sensible way? Yeah, um, that's basically. So underneath, they use like web workers, and um, the idea is. JavaScript will always be single-threaded, um, and, and likewise with Dart. But the idea is that you use um, isolates or, or in, in JavaScript web workers, and basically you do message passing concurrency. So um, the communication between uh, the, uh, I guess, nodes, mm-hmm. uh, hap- all happening asynchronously using message, uh, using message passing. And so that's why every code that runs is, is single-threaded, but you can have multiple these nodes running in the background to do to offload background tasks and stuff. So it's actually uh, it's very similar to Erlang CSV style concurrency. Um, yeah, and it seems to be what the future of development is going down. Threads threads is a bit problematic and uh, yeah. Now yeah, if we, yeah. we start declaring threads around JavaScript, we're going to hell. Yep, I agree. Yeah, that's never going to happen. And th- thankfully, I I do think like over having worked a lot with uh, threading. It's. Um, I do think it's just way more concur- uh, way more um, productive to have a single-threaded code and not having to worry about uh, uh, multi-threading in, in your application. Code. It's more about being and declarative about your dependencies rather than actually being declarative about your threads. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So I have a question here, and I'm I'm looking at your Northwind web service example, which is at uh, servicestack.net/slash/servicestack.northwind which is really cool because you can look at, say, all customers or just one particular customer, Maria Anders, right, from Northwind, but in different yep. formats. And, and simply right. by passing format equals JSON or XML or HTML or CSV or JSV or XV card. And then I look at the code, customer detail service, and yep. there's nothing in there for format. So is, serv- is this customer detail service being called bef- you know, in between that – uh, before that formatting happens, that all just happens magically, out of the box. Yeah, correct. So that, that so it's one line to generate all that, and Jeez, you, that's so awesome. that's yeah, and that's because um, because you get a C sharp DTO in and a C sharp DTO out. And if you look at the architecture diagram, so if you go to um, the Service Stack homepage and and click the the colorful um, architecture overview diagram at the bottom of I'll, you, we're going to comment to that, right? But if you if you go to the uh, Service Stack web page, there's an architecture diagram, mm-hmm. architecture overview diagram, um, and right. it brings you a big Christmas, colorful Christmas tree. Yeah, it's pretty. Okay, so yeah, okay, so the the thing in the white that's all that's all you have to write. Service Stack provides the rest, um, and so and that's what that line is. It's your code, and basically, so not only does it that you can do the format, you can do an ex, like using HTTP with the accept header on the client. And um, yeah, you can over, yeah you can use a a, a post variable to um, override. Uh, you, you can use a HP variable to override the format. And yeah, and well so done, basically, sir. Well done. Yeah, and so there's multiple ways. You, yeah, to to um, 
to do that. But also, you, you can also see that the uh, there's in the customs you'll see the HTML view, mm-hmm. and that's a that's an automatic um, data grid. So basically, um, and you know how that's a sortable table tabular view. Yeah, yeah. If you, look, if you click on, yeah, that's actually you get that for free for every service because, and that's basically uh, it's a if you view the JSON source, you'll see all the JSON that the service returns, and then I basically have a generic JavaScript client-side uh, library that just generates a human-readable view of all your data that you return, That's and that so works cool. with all services. So this is, this is some of the stuff we do to make it really um, productive um, because you, don't have to, you can just return an object graph and then we'll automatically serialize it into a pretty HTML view. And so then, nice. And basically, you can actually debug and see what, what your services are returning at a glance. Just it's pretty awesome. It's a big pot, yeah, bottle of awesome sauce, dude. <laughs> surfing the web? Yeah, you ever try to surf the web on your phone? It's a little small. Especially when you're looking at a big list like the feature list of Active Reports. Oh, yeah? Yeah, we've been using it for 15 years. You know, the coolest new feature, I think, is the new Silverlight Report Viewer. What's cool about it, of course, is it's both native Silverlight for printing, but it's also got PDF support, so that really minimizes the amount of data that has to come over the wire. makes it a lot more efficient. Well, we've been looking for a good solution for Silverlight data viewing. Yeah, it's a great product. I, I think I'm going to order it. Not on that. No, not on here. I'll go to my desk first. Active Reports from Component 1. Smarter Components for Smarter Developers. Can we talk about some of these other underlying bits? I think, it, oh yeah, Eric Williams on uh, Twitter says, what's faster, the speed of light or servicestack.txt? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, so we, we I mean, because I'm conscious, performance conscious, uh, conscious purely from the um, uh, user experience point of view, like the faster something is, the more you, someone's going to likely use it, the more enjoyable your software becomes. And so I've always... Uh, so I'm always exploring it, uh, faster ways to, to create services, you know, for instance. And, um, and yeah, serialization is a big part of that. Sure. And, yeah, so uh, that's why I like to optimize the serializers a lot because um, you, you do it once and then all, all your services benefit. And so, yeah, I like to have a, a real fast implementation for that. There's also caching. Caching is really important. Mm-hmm. Uh, unfortunately, .NET never had a strong caching story. That it's always like output caching or it's... Uh, right. It's kind of hard to use. Whereas, um, if you look at the in the Northwind, if you look at the Northwind um, example, so uh, the same services above, you can see cache versions of it. Yeah. Um, sure. Yep. And so the code for that is just like a single line that says to optimize the result using cache, and that and then it call, then it delegates to your 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 existing services. That actually will store the most optimal response into your cache. And which is like if you're for a normal browser, it would be like the um, deflated JSON re- response in the case. So when the subsequent call comes in, I will just can write that directly to the response stream. So that's you get some extremely fast response times. That's basically the fastest you can get with um, managed code. That's and great. so yeah, so we I like to to I like to make it really easy. And and with and you ha- I have multiple uh, caching options. So there's Redis. Memcache, uh, there's Azure, and um, it, it is even like uh, disk, yeah, on disk and in, in memory caching as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, just for, just to have heaps of options. Uh, I haven't and heard of Redis code. before. Can you talk to us a bit about it? Redis, it's uh, yes. Redis is a beautiful um, in-memory data store. Basically, um, it's basic. It's it's used by 
um, many of the big internet companies because it's extremely fast and extremely versatile. And basically, it's, it, it hosts com- uh, primitive computer science collections in a data store, mm-hmm. and it's, uh, it's all asynchronous, non-blocking, and atomic. And basically, it, it, um, yeah, so you have access to uh, all these uh, like lists, sets, uh, dictionaries, hashes, uh, just simple key value, and as well as uh, it's got built-in pub, uh, published subscriber as well. And so because it supports the primitive um, computer science collections, it's actually really easy to use from your normal C-sharp class. Like, yeah, it sounds like I could drop um, this in on stuff I've already got and don't have to write for it from scratch. That's right. So you don't have to reproduce, you don't have to reproject your your logic. You can actually just um, you know easily uh, make it distributed by just using a, a Redis list. In fact, the Service Stack Redis client that um, I also maintain is um, it actually has uh, Redis server side lists implementing like iCollection and iList. So you can actually you know your client code didn't even have to change, and you could you'd automatically be um, saving to a distributed. Uh, Data set, but it's also very, very fast and very simple. Um, and it's like, like one of the benchmarks on the standard like Linux server is like 110,000 set operations a second. Um, so it's pretty, pretty good. And it, and I see memcached referred to here. Is that just a dis- distributed version of Redis, more or less? No, no, no. R- R- Redis is a it basically it's memcached on steroids. It's still distributed. It's basically does the key value as well as all the other computer science. Collections. All right. Distributed collections. So if you're familiar with Memcache, you might want to use it, but Redis seems like the better choice. Right now it is, yeah. It's, uh, yeah. I, I, we originally started with Memcache, and uh, basically because of the multiple database support in Redis, which we, we, we switched to, over to Redis, and then we just kept using it more and more. Um, so Stack Overflow uses it uh, extensively for all the distributed caching and, and live lists. Uh, yeah, it's yeah, it's a really nice, uh, it's a really nice NoSQL data store. It's one of the, one of the quickest and simplest to use. Nice, and and it's good to just remind ourselves you're testing this every day by keeping the uh, Stack Overflow structure up and running. Uh, yeah, re- yeah, Redis, yeah, um, Redis uses uh, the Stack Overflow uses Mark Ravel's uh, C sharp uh, Redis client, but yeah, they they it's um, it's an asynchronous blocking client that they use. Uh, yeah, they, and it's tested extensively and. And the CPU load is like two, two percent. It's it's extremely rare, and even though it handles all of Stack Overflow's distributed caching, so it's a uh, it's an extremely good, robust, uh, fast NoSQL data store. But I I I my I actually like it because of the simplicity. Sure. And yeah. Well, you think about the data that that Stack Overflow is actually collecting. It's not exactly relational data. It is a lot of key value pairs. Yeah. And it, and um, also, if you want to handle just the page caching and stuff like that, that that's essentially just a serialized HTML page. So sure. there's different levels that you can have. So you can you can have, you can cache it at the ORM layer or at the output caching layer, and yeah, or at the um, yeah at the other layer. But also, they it has also supports pub sub, which is a it's a highly efficient pub sub. Yeah. Um, which so yeah, that's how they that's how we use to. Um, um, invalidate caches over distributed app servers. So it's really nice, really efficient. And, and we're not uh, just talking about distribution within a given group of machines, but over WAN connections and the like? Yeah, it works over TCP, so you just need to open up a firewall port. To right, it'll work over anything then if it's just down at TCP yeah. level. How about, it's right. just a question of how big the pairs are as to how well it's going to work as the distances get further. 
Um, it, it actually supports like really simple um, uh, replication. Like with a single line of code, you can bring up a, a node mm-hmm. and then just uh, issue a single command that says, "I'm a slave of this master," and it automatically has a a, um, a replica of, of the of the master data set. So it's it, it's just a really clean way of of doing many things, and it's it's because it's, it's, it's so versatile. It's just it's used everywhere. It's almost all. High availability, high scalability stories in, include some uh, use of Redis. So nice. it's, uh, it's, yeah, it's definitely something to check out if you're if you're interested in high performance uh, um, service yeah. computing. If, that, if that's your concern, and like I said, it just works with regular .NET objects. You don't have to be fancy. Yeah, because well, it it um, for for C sharp for my service stack Redis client, all I do is serialize it to a JSON and save it as effectively like a JSON blob. But Redis also supports server-side Lua operations with built-in like JSON encoding, so you can actually like kind of like sort procedures, but it's kind of done in a nice way where the client can, on the fly, create the server-side procedure and execute your code. It's quite nice. It's uh, real, real flexible. Um, so I know you pushed against Mono briefly there, but could you talk a little bit more about mo- uh, server stack running under Mono? Yeah, so it's it there's uh there's not um much to say because it just it can just run. Like you can copy and paste your X copy your DLLs over right. or you can use Xbuild to build build your project on Mono. And then basically Mono has different um different ways to host your code. You can run it with uh Nginx mm-hmm. uh using fast CGI Mono and that's like an ASP.NET host and Apache has another ASP.NET host called Mod Mono and effectively it's like ASP.NET and IIS right. in Mod Mono. And then you can also have a self-hosted console because ServiceStack also supports um, console, uh, self-standalone HP listener hosting, and you can hide that behind a reverse proxy if you want. And that's what we do with... So Razor.ServiceStack.net is the um, is running on Nginx and AC.net, and Razor-Console.ServiceStack.net is the same um, program running on a standalone HP listener with uh, N- behind an Nginx reverse proxy. Nice, um, but yeah, it's uh, yeah. Nimona has actually been quite. It's become quite stable over the years. Like initially, it was uh, some you had to do some uh, testing and some workarounds, but lately it's been real rock solid for me. So just yeah, worked. Definitely, it's, it's an exciting option. All right, so I want to get Service Stack. What's the right way to go about this? Is it just all new get uh, for Service Stack or, or for Service Stack? Yes. Oh, Service Stack. Yeah, you can just uh, in, uh, install package Service Stack, and that uh, brings in just the binaries. Yep. Uh, there's also and and then from there you can just create your your host class, which is a you just inherit from app host base. All .NET four zero and above. Uh, it's actually .NET three point five. Okay. Um. So mo- most of the libraries is just .NET three point five. Yeah. All right. That's pretty easy. You know, just go get it, set it up, get to work. Yeah. Yeah. And I can also use these like the the text serializers, Redis. So these are all things that Service Stack uses, but I can use them myself too. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Oh, and you have your own ORM light? Yep. So basically, like I was saying, I, I'm not really a fan of the heavy frameworks that like the .NET culture seems to promote. Yeah. And one of the times I have a class, and I just want to persist a class or database as conventionally as a, as a class looks. Mm-hmm. And so, like ORM lights, like you know, three four years old as well. So this is kind of before the micro ORM movement. Um, but basically, all I wanted was a uh, I want to have, have all these poker classes, and I just want to save it to the database. And and so I just created a, a basically a real lightweight ORM just to help help do that. Um, basically, is is uh, whatever the table looks like is what how it gets serialized. 
uh, how it gets persisted. So every property is a, is a column in the database. Right. You, it, it supports auto creating the tables for you. So you just have to create table and all the different schemes and it does that. Um, one of the nice things I have is, is, is this is kind of like generally frowned upon on, uh, I guess, the, um, I don't know, .NET, .NET cultures is, is to blob. Like for my non-aggregate roots, I like to uh, basically blob it in a like a in a JSV uh, format, which which like if you have like a dictionary of addresses, it's much easier just to save that as is than create all these different uh, key tables just to to save that. So I like to do that a lot, and that and so any any non-scalar property is uh, is effectively blob. Like you can have a dictionary of of Pocos, and then it automatically gets serializes and, and hydrated for you. So it's one of the niceties in it. But basically, it's just a code first micro ORM that works around Pocos. So and, and it can, yeah. Did you did you write all this stuff yourself? Yeah, yeah. Do you ever sleep? Uh, <laughs> what do you yeah, do when you're not it's, doing it's, this? It's, it's, it's hard because of the because of the um <clears throat> the caffeine intake. But well, yeah, <laughs> I, I, I guess so. Yeah. What do you do for you know for a career other than because this is obviously not paying the bills. That's right. Uh, work at Stack Overflow. Uh, right. You said that. Yeah, we we saw that yeah. in your bio. Yeah. So you find enough time to you find enough time to to write the coolest tools that .NET programs have ever seen, and still do your job. It's it's demanding. I won't lie. Um, but um, I do have a lot of contributors, and actually, a lot of time now is is um, is managing contributions by a lot of people. It's like 140 contributors at the moment. Wow. That there has been co contributions. Yeah. And so yeah, this, that takes time, and documentation and, and support takes time. But no, I, I I am kind of stretched a little bit, and I am I have to evaluate ways I can uh, basically offload the support somehow. So it's uh, yeah, it's um, it's it's tough because I would like yeah, it's yeah. Uh, it's not easy being an open source developer. But I also can appreciate that that's probably the best gauge you could have of how healthy your project is. You have so many contributors. That, yeah, that's right. Yeah, and uh, yeah, look, we just crossed. I think over this conversation, we just crossed a quarter million NuGet downloads for all the. All, I got thirty-one packages on NuGet. Nice. Um, so that's that's pretty nice. Um, that's yeah, great. No, so it's, I, I thought last year has been re- a really good year for Substack. Um we, we finally got some popularity. Like we've been around for many years, but um, it really takes you know, open source. I think is is it's part technical and part marketing, and you just ta- it just it just requires a few uh, high profile. Uh, uh, people to get hold of your project to to actually help it a lot, and unfortunately, one of the problems with open source is that you don't actually have money for marketing or evangelists, so you're really having to go on uh, word of mouth. And I, yeah, I feel like last year was a really good year for so like, so I'm hoping this year's even better. But yeah, but there's there's a lot of uh, features in the pipeline that I I think we can like we can really provide unique um, selling points, and uh, like basically trying to replicate WCF because. Because Web API only does a HP endpoint for you, so there's a, a big opportunity in creating the, TC, the fast TCP endpoints and um, and, and supporting the different uh, for endpoints and formats that, that we can. So and also the tooling experience of having a typed end-to-end API. That's that's not easy when you don't have all the convention, all the knowledge about your services from client and server. And that's something we can do, which effectively doing already, but we can uh, have uh, deep integration with Visual Studio. Yeah. At the moment, so yeah, so hopefully next year is will be even better than this year. But but yeah, it's uh it's it's tough even to get known. Who was it? I think it was John Sanmez, Richard, who told told us on the road trip about Service Stack, and yep. that's really the first time I talked about it in depth. That we talked about it or even heard about it. Yeah, yeah, John. 
John's the, yeah, the author of the Pluralsight course. Yeah, he's uh, done a really in-depth, um, uh, really in-depth, comprehensive overview of Substack. That's so really really good. That's that's been really good for us as well. I bet. Um, yeah. It's a, yeah, definitely um, big props to to John. Yeah, but it's, uh, he's a uh, yeah. He likes he likes I guess uh, being productive with it and all the different features that it has. So. Yeah, he's um, he's uh, done a few things. He had been on a few interviews. Like like I heard your, uh, his in- interview on on Donut Rock. Mm-hmm. That's quite good. Yeah. And he's also been on Hansel Minutes. So it's uh, yeah, it's nice to it's nice to have people like him around. So what's next on your list? Your to do list. <laughs> oh oh, and uh, so yes, definitely the um, uh, it's basically crossing off all the uh, reasons why you want to use WCS. So uh, I want to get the TCP sync endpoints done. Mm-hmm. I want to have a rich, uh, rich tooling inside. I don't like tooling, but we can actually make it so it's only the types get generated for you. So right, if you didn't want to share the, the assembly and you only wanted to share the type, share the types, we can make it a rich experience to do that. And that's kind of basically replacing uh, WCS add service reference dialog, but in a way that you can actually use all the different formats and all the you know, and and just it doesn't do the client proxy, just has just does the types, so you can use the strong type. Reusable generic service clients, um, yeah, and we want to do better, um, a better uh, story around Angular JS and um, and Dart, just mm-hmm. to just have some startup frameworks for to help everyone, right. and uh, which we've, we've yeah we've already got social bootstrap, we've got already got a project, couple of projects out there that, that have done this, but we want to um, extend that story and put more documentation around that, and uh, yeah, and we yeah, all the different libraries have uh, have. Uh, Features that we want to add as well. So it's a, uh, it's it. We haven't had a. Uh, we've had yeah. We've got a lot to do. Um, yeah. Oh. yeah. We haven't had a free moment for for many many. Well, years. it's uh, it's been great talking to you and good job. Well done, sir. Yeah, fantastic. Th- thanks a lot, guys. Yeah. All right, Demis. We'll talk to you later, and we'll talk to you next time on Donnet Rocks. Thanks for listening, and remember. Pluralsight.com is where you can get 200 free minutes of developer training online. Pluralsight.com. .NET Rocks is recorded and produced by Pwop Productions, providing professional audio, audio mastering, video, post-production, and podcasting services online at www.pwop.com. .NET Rocks is a production of Franklin's Net, training developers to work smarter and offering custom on-site classes in Microsoft development technology with expert developers. Online at www.franklins.net. For more .NET Rocks episodes and to subscribe to the podcast feeds, Go to our website at www.dotnetrocks.com. Got a transmitter band by the FCC. Yes, I'm a